Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, number five, live from Ramiro's in Pahrump, Nevada. Um, it's 7 o'clock. We're going to get uh, rolling here. And tonight, what I have scheduled to talk about is uh, a couple things. Um, I'm going to talk about the uh, JCR Honda CR450X that I got to ride that just happened to win the Mint 400 uh, this weekend, past weekend. Um, and I got to ride it because I wanted to feel what a full power-up 450X feels like and kind of compare it to our long-term test bike and have an idea. Uh, I, I learned a whole bunch about what it takes to modify it to different levels, so we'll kind of run through that real quickly. Um, and there's a ton of stuff happening in the helmet world, and I got a chance to talk to one of my uh, good friends, Dave Tom, who's in the helmet testing and helmet... Uh, he, understands a lot about helmets and it's been almost 10 years now a little over 10 years now since we did the helmet test at dirt rider magazine when we did that uh it was because some of the standards were changing and now with all the rotational stuff coming coming along and some of the some of the standards that they're proposing for rotational i think it's time to do a test like that again and i may push forward to do that if i can figure out how to um, acquire the budget necessary to actually do the helmet testing and I'll explain that a little bit. Uh, I had a couple new goggles that I had um, got my hands on this week, and maybe if we have time to do that. And one more thing, uh, today I was out rally training with Ricky Baybeck, and uh, so he said that last night at about 10 o'clock when I was putting together the last road book, he said if I rode today, he would uh, come on my uh, screwy little show as a guest. So um, I rode today. I got my uh, 250 kilometers in and survived. And Ricky's here. He's uh, hanging out having dinner right now. Um, and we'll bring him in as soon as you get bored of listening to me. So that's what we have on the schedule. And I'm going to go ahead and try to keep up with the questions as much as I can on the, on the, uh, screen and then when Ricky starts answering questions I'll just kind of relay them over to you for to him from you so if you have some good questions uh, I'll get that information across to him and then uh, you guys can learn a couple things about what he's been up to what he's doing besides winning the mint 400 with Kendall Norman last weekend so back to that uh, I was lucky enough to start talking to Johnny about being able to ride their race bike as soon as they kind of I wanted to ride it when it was like ready, but what I learned from hanging out with them over the last week uh, as they were doing a lot of testing is how much testing it takes to get a race bike ready. And that's an all new bike for them. The 2019 Honda CR450X is basically, they, they didn't, they got them about the same time as customers got them in reality. But uh, Johnny had done a lot of the development work on it, um, a lot of the testing early on. And right away he realized that this bike, even though it's being sold as a green sticker bike and, a, and a, a compliant bike, he said this thing has some characters just like the old X that makes it a much better off-road racer than like high-speed off-road racer, Baja style, Mint 400 style obviously, than the R or RX. And that kind of is counterintuitive to a lot of people because they're like, oh, I want the motocross bike. But there's so many subtle things in the chassis of course, it has a six-speed transmission, which makes a big difference. Um, there's a lot of stuff 
that uh, makes this bike work. And so I got a chance to ride their their race bike last week when they were basically they just they finally set on on final settings. Um, they were messing around with um, you know changing around some different parts uh, to get it to get it just right. And every every step of the way, you can see how they just do one change at a time, one thing. And then when they're all said and done, even though that was the bike they were going to the race with, they say, we want to do this and this and this. And and the bike does have factory suspension on it. Um, and the bike has an R head on it. And you start saying, oh, I need factory suspension and I need an R head. And I had the Dirt Bike Test long-term um, 450X out with me and I got to ride them back to back. And I'll talk a little bit about that. But people get kind of focused on you have to do this and you have to do that, you, you know, and these, these guys are riding the bike at kind of the limit as fast as it goes. And it's that they're really only getting like this extra 10 or 15% that most people would never use. And in riding that bike with the suspension and funny, I hopped on the one that they raced at the Heron Hound a couple of weeks ago and I really liked it, which meant it's not stiff enough because <laughs> I don't ride that fast and I'm not hitting stuff that hard. I go, I can't believe that this thing works really good for factory suspension because usually it's too stiff. So I got a chance to do that, go back to back with our standard bike. And it's amazing how good the stock bike really is, especially when you consider the wide range that it's, it's set up for. It has good bottoming resistance. You can hit stuff. But when you hop on the race bike, you realize they've set it up stiffer. So you can really slam into things, you know, with either the front or the back end and it just stays really, really controlled. And over the day of testing, they were playing around with it, kind of getting, they had two, two bikes and they were getting the, the, the bike for the mint. They were constantly going a little bit stiffer in the front and just making essentially just small changes to get it there. Because also it's a team, it's a bike where both Kendall Norman and Ricky Brabeck were riding it. And then there's always the kind of this compromise. And I think they leaned more towards Ricky's settings because he was gonna ride it for two laps but uh, it, they were both seemed pretty happy with it. And when, and then when I rode the final bike, I was like, man, I, I like this a lot too, but it was just to the point where it started getting too stiff for something that I wanted. And feeling how it worked, the progression and the action of the shock and the fork, I was like going, I'll bet you if I turned it over to a really good suspension tuner that, that I could explain what I wanted to, they could make the stock stuff work this good. And everybody gets upset when I say that because they want to have, you know, a kit suspension stuff. But the, the stuff that comes in these bikes these days is really, really good. So um, that's the the other thing. And then going on to um, the head and the um, the cylinder, you know, the, the motor stuff. They found out that you can't just drop um, an R you know, or RX head on top of this bike, or cylinder and head. And number one, there's no pistons, and there's a little bit different in deck height off the cases. So you need to have a piston that's specifically made for it, or you need to do some machining to, to get the, the cylinder and head uh, height proper. And the, the really the difference, the shapes of the ports are actually the same. Um, it's just all the stuff that's on the side for the... Um, the thermostat and some of the stuff that plums um, the air injection back into the exhaust port is the big change between the two things. Those don't affect like horsepower and engine performance. It's more of a visual thing. So 
do you really need to do that? Do you need to go to those extra steps? I mean, you could actually have your your X head ported to the same spec that, that an R head would be. So um, I think for the regular guy, that's going kind of the extra step. And then one other thing they've got, and I don't know a whole lot about it because it's it's this is where it's HRC and factory stuff somehow or another, is they have a different ECU. So they're working with a with a more open air box, a different ECU, so they can control and tune the fueling just like they do on the factory Supercross bikes. So that's really good stuff on, you know, high level stuff that you need a technician to do the tuning for. In my world, I just have a JD tuner on that interrupts the signal going into my throttle body. So I can change the fueling and the tuning. I can do it instantly by pushing a button and that's where um, it's taking something that's pretty high level and making it kind of simple. And then, because if you change anything in that package, all of a sudden you change one thing, it starts flowing for, flowing more. You're going to need to change something to make sure it has the right fuel mixture, just like you used to jet your carburetor uh, back in the day. So hopefully um, that um, kind of helps out on some of the some of the uh, Things on how it ran. I'm gonna go see if I've got some sound. Camera won't stay still. I I'll learn how to work this thing one of these days. I think it's doing some tracking sort of thing. And uh, actually, you should just put you should take your computer and put it in your pocket, and then just turn the volume up and listen to it while you're doing something else. Because who wants to look at me for an hour <laughs> while I'm doing this? Um, let's see if I can scroll down here and. See where we're at with the questions right now. Feed is flawless. Wow, that's that's weird. Um, audio's, yeah. Turn your mic up on your end. Actually, it's really loud, and it's actually loud in my in my here you're here. Um, yeah, producing the show. Uh, <laughs> pretty good. Okay, everybody. I think I think everybody's gonna want to see Rick, talk to Ricky here pretty quick. Uh, so get your get your questions ready. Um, anyhow, uh, another thing that I always want to um, bring up and talk about when um, we're talking about factory bikes and over my career being a journalist and at, at times being a factory rider, I learned that it's not just about having this certain factory part or something it's learning how to test and make it better because the I, the good thing about being at that level is if you have a good team you can get whatever you want like if you want a change made to the bike for one reason or another they will do it and while we were out there um i started paying attention to some of the stuff that they were doing and when you start looking at that bike and we're on this week i'll put up a full story on the race bike so um with all the little details and stuff when you start looking at the small things they do, you look at all the reinforcements they do on the chain guide, just on the on the lower chain guide, because they don't want that to break. That's just a, a faulty thing. Um, stuff with a, the time they take to tune and play with the ECU, um, those are those are incremental steps that they start doing. They start um, working on things like the balance of the suspension, and this is all kind of done one on one, and it's not just like. 10 things go on the bike and it's like go ride this and see how it works they test the stuff um individually and they take the time to make sure that it works better than the last step uh 
some other interesting stuff on the bike. They have two e-start buttons on one on each side of the handlebar because now the bike doesn't have a kick or doesn't, no, doesn't have a kickstarter I keep on forgetting what year we're in um does not have a kickstarter and if one of those buttons were to get damaged in a crash or something there's a backup system for that um they are you know adding one of the things is they the riders were complaining about some of the noise that was coming off the skid plate so they took the skid plate off and added foam to the skid plate and not for not for mud or anything like that. it was for the sound thing to take, make it a little bit better and then you look at stuff that that they did to protect some of the radiator hoses so a cactus or a bush or a stick can't come up in there and get it the radiators are kind of shrouded with a with a screen so that stuff can't poke at it and a lot of this stuff is done for durability and it's years and years of experience and like every time you have a failure of some sort you go back and say what can we do to make this not happen again and a lot of times that's what makes a factory bike more factory than you know some special motor setting or kit suspension or things like that because the bike is set up for the rider they spent a lot of time making it work like that and um it's it's funny because i got to ride their bike and that bike wasn't for me and so i would never say that it was good or bad because it's not set up for me i can describe how it worked and some of the worst bikes i've ever ridden have been factory bikes that were the bikes you dream of riding and it's like it's not set up for me a stock bike is a lot better than this one they took a really good stock bike and and ruined it into making it a perfect bike for that guy to do what he is doing so um yeah how to how to go and um kind of wreck your dream of wanting to ride somebody else's factory bike huh <laughs> so okay we are going to um i see some questions popping up here uh we will let's see fish or shrimp tacos yeah no uh, no they're just just beef tacos tonight the dollar beef tacos it's taco tuesday here um let's see how does the upper and lower limits of the gearbox and the x compare to the yz 450 fx Ooh, i don't know um i haven't had those two bikes out back to back I did have the WR out here. Um, I didn't ride them, but they, they're pretty, I wanna say pretty similar, but the Yamaha's, um, Yamaha's getting away with it with a five speed. And in our WR450 test on dirtbiketest.com, that's that website. Remember when you have to, used to have to type in a website name to get the information, you're not just gonna get it off Instagram or Facebook. Well, if you want to ever learn something like that, go try going to our website and try searching the little search thing works awesome up there so if you have questions like that type that in and it might actually pop up with the answer or at least the article that you can um find that information at let's see uh let's go to the questions how did you score the chopper ride oh the helicopter uh yeah, uh, I was standing in the right place at the right time, and I had a camera. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was good times. I got to watch the Mint from the best uh, seat in the house. I went up with uh, Stevie in his uh, really nice four-seater helicopter um, and watched basically half of the first lap and almost the rest of the entire race uh, 
and what a race it was. That was pretty cool to watch, um, actually really watch Jacob push those guys the whole time. We saw the pass for the lead when Kendall kind of uh, got back in front, and then uh, it was, they were, I mean, I, I put some videos on my Instagram account and up on Dirt Bike Test where he shows how close those guys were, and it was kind of perfect racing conditions, pretty much dust-free, and... Uh, yeah, watching it from a helicopter. Uh, I wish our helicopter had one of the West Cams on the bottom of it. That would have been pretty cool. So, um, let's see. Jeez, so many contexts. Where, what? Uh, huh? Yep, too confusing. Um, hey, Ricky, you want to come over here? We're going we're gonna to get Ricky over here. Um, I... So Ricky is the second guest ever on uh, on the dirt bike test test talk tech tech talk taco Tuesday. Say that fast five times. Uh, so you've got some headphones there. You just flip them around. And let's see. We got Ricky sitting in here live. As soon as he figure out how to throw those headphones on, not knock anything over in the process and our awesome uh bar like studio i'm here i'm here let's see there's ricky brayback <laughs> um so there's a little bit of a delay here but we got some um questions for you already so uh ricky of uh that close to dakar fame that yeah. close to dakar fame um baja 1000 winner national hare and hound champion twice Twice, the best in the desert champion, and the new Mint Four Hundred champion. The new Mint Four Hundred champion. I know you're pretty stoked <laughs> about that. That was a that was a really awesome ride. Um, so okay, here we go. Now the questions are starting to flow in. So we'll see where we're at here. Um, does Ricky sprinkle sand on his? See, this is what you get. This is what you get on the internet. Does Ricky <laughs> sprinkle sand on his Wheaties? Uh, <laughs> he can probably answer that for you. Man, I don't. I don't even know how to take that. I don't even know what it means. <laughs> um, Welcome to the internet. <laughs> no, no, I don't put sand on the Wheaties. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, Nar Dave's over there. See, he's just like all the internet guys. He wants to know if you like ice cream. I do like ice cream. I just had a big old dessert here, Romero's. Come on. Chocolate and caramel, fried ice cream, can't yeah. go wrong. Let's see. So uh, basically, uh, one of the questions was earlier. I'm scrolling back down through here. Um, where did that go? I saw a couple of them. I saw like San Felipe Bob was just straight killing it, asking, asking a few questions. Yeah, I think one of them um, just kind of wanted. Uh, there was one that was asking a question about. Uh, what gearing did you run at the Mint? You remember? Stock gearing. Stock gearing, I thought. On yeah. The bike. Yeah. And then Six it, speed. And then you guys ran mooses. We did run moose tubes. Yep. And uh, I think Jimmy had already gone over a lot of what our bike had in it. I didn't. I didn't really get into the specifics or anything, but uh, um, I'm going to do that. I'm going to write it up on the on the website and make it work. Let's see. Uh, somebody's asking if you're going to do the Baja 500 or 1,000 this year. Johnny Campbell. 
Yep. Johnny Campbell poked in on here. I uh, know. He hey, believe it or not, he just got um, he just got this Facebook thing all signed up a couple weeks ago, and he's all about it now. Yeah, he even's got Instagram. <laughs> so yeah, start following Johnny Campbell on all the social medias. Um, and if you like this, you can follow Ricky on Instagram. He always does stories, and then he doesn't tell me he's doing a story because I don't even know how to check them. <laughs> And then next thing you know, I've, there's pictures of me riding through mud and doing push-ups and what <laughs> pull-ups, pull-ups, yeah, pull-ups in the doorway. Didn't I don't know how that works. Um, okay, did Jacob give you guys a run? Yeah, I mean Jacob, Jacob rode really well. Um, he sold the mid 400, and we knew he was going to be strong, but uh, we didn't know he was going to be that strong for that long. And um, yeah, he's he's riding well this year, so you know, kept us on our toes the whole way. I mean, with two uh, national hare and hound victories so far, I, I was I was really surprised when he came out right in the right from the beginning because he's kind of privateer back now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he uh, I mean he knows Lucerne really well, and um, I don't know. Pe- there, there's all kinds of talk. People were saying like how far back he was at the first pit, but I wasn't believing what they were saying because I mean we we've done the first loop that same first loop for a couple of years now you know it's more or less always the same first loop and um yeah right he i blew a corner in the second loop and he passed me almost right away so i don't know he's uh he's definitely riding well this year yeah that's i mean it's good to see it's always good when there's competition yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> it, it gets boring when there's always runaways and stuff like that um let's see how much okay so what question here is how much different is your suspension than stock and maybe you can even talk about what you like different. Uh, I don't really know um, the answer to that 100%. Um, obviously, I'm a little bit bigger of a guy. I can't really use stock stuff. Um, my suspension, I like to have, you know, really, really stable, really stiff, but um, with a with a initial plushness, you know, so that way it's not so harsh on the hands or or your body really going across the desert. But uh, when you come up on something big, you want to be able to hit something and and not bottom out and kind of throw you sideways. So Like, like safety. Yeah. Yeah, it's fully for safety. And I, I, I was always impressed because I've ridden a couple different of the Honda bikes, different whether it's rally or some race bikes. And when I rode your bike, I'm like, that it wasn't it wasn't a bad setup especially for a guy you're a little bit bigger yeah. than me and and you definitely are definitely stronger a little bit bigger and ride way on the front and i thought oh it's going to be stiff and, and and i noticed that they were saying you're going stiffer and stiffer and i wrote i'm like no this thing's still balanced it still works really good yeah. but it has it has really good safety and then i know like the rally guys they were putting so much what we call safety into the bike the suspension just didn't move <laughs> yeah, just, well, it was like it, it was it was really good if you hit something. Yeah, it, it, but but the rest of the time, the whole time you're really trying to ride. It was garbage. Yeah. yeah, and ever since I've been doing the rallies, I've I've noticed I've wanted my stuff a little bit stiffer and stiffer just because I wanted it. You know, I'm getting comfortable on the rally bike, and you're going a lot faster. And uh, yeah, you know, in the Heron Hounds, you you want some stiff stuff, but you want you need some stuff that'll that'll get you through the rocks. You know, without bouncing left and right. Okay, um, a couple of people mentioned it's great to see Kendall racing again. Um, how is Kendall as a teammate? Oh, Kendall's rad. Um, I never really thought I'd be racing with Kendall Norman on the same team. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild to actually be on the same team with Kendall and, and share, share duties with Kendall and share a bike with Kendall. Um, you know, he's, he's a good guy. Um, you know, we, we kind of lost him 
for a couple of years back a couple of years ago but um now i don't know he's came around and he's cool i he's he's a full hippie and i, I like it <laughs> he came when he was up when they were over at our place on was it last thursday getting when they're working on the bikes and stuff he cooked dinner he brought he brought out like, of his van probably yeah, huh? yeah well he brought all this cool <laughs> he kind of got all this cool food and like had like fancy stuff like it was, it was like a full gourmet gourmet thing he just brought this bowl me and johnny were in, yeah. the, in the shop he brought this bowl he's like gotta try this it was some pretty good stuff yeah kendall's really creative you know he likes he likes to live off the land or you know whatever, whatever he get his hands on he's gonna try to make something out of it or <laughs> drink something out of it so uh yeah it's pretty cool uh, what kind of motor prep is done to the new 450X for desert racing? Ricky just uh, rides not, him. Uh, yeah, I'm not <laughs> as, as deep as that. Um, you know, I'm not really an engine guy or a mechanic in that department. I just uh, ride him. But however, I take care of my bikes, you know, with uh, everything else but building the motor. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of time and, and prep that goes into it at the JCR shop. But uh, it's like I said, not my apartment, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm. I'm I was kind of surprised at how how stock that motor still was um, when we started talking about it because they just don't have a lot of parts for it yet. It's just too new. Um, it, with the the it, they had to use the X piston because there's really nothing else available, and um, so they're you know I'm sure as, as time goes on they'll figure out how to put some more compression in it and just do stuff. But when they do those kind of things, that's when you have to decide like okay how how durable is this now you know how long is it going to last and just even from you know seeing how rally teams prep you know that bike has to last for x amount a long long time and you're running it at full steam all the time and that's that's part of the game is to like work on those developments and kind of push it push it for them uh let's see let's see if we got any other ones up there right now so so ricky tell me you're gonna you're gonna get feedback on that. You gotta kill the sound on that, or we're gonna get feedback through here. <laughs> uh, somebody wants to know how did your riding career lead to Dakar? Um, that I don't even really know. Um, <laughs> I I was injured on a couch, and Quinn called me, asked if I wanted to learn how to do do road books, and if I was interested in rally. And you know, as, as a kid. I was always watching um, Robbie Gordon and, you know, Quinn on the Dakar, you know, when I was like in high school. So, uh, you know, I thought it'd be cool to try it out. And um, I'm very fortunate that I was able to make it happen and get to Dubai for my first rally. And well, you um, told me you told me that story today. You bought your own plane ticket. Yeah. To, yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't have enough money. So I had to call my dad and ask him if uh, he wanted to go to Dubai. Go on a vacation to Dubai. Yeah. And take me with them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, the rally team uh, liked liked my performance so uh they invited me to uh, ruta 40 which was in august and after that i i got a contract for the dakar and i just i, I don't know i took the contract and uh signed it away and now i'm still riding for them and having fun let's see does the sphincter valve pucker when you hit rocks at 80 miles an hour or do you get used to it um <laughs> It it only puckers if you if you get sideways, but um, if you kind of get like a a good eighty mile an hour pop up, that's uh, no big deal. You know it. You you learn to ride, you learn to ride with it and just let the bike do what it wants and uh, ho hopefully it all ends good. But yeah, if if you are going eighty miles an hour and the bike just kicks you sideways, that's for sure. You get the cold sweats, 
you get the puckering, and then you got to tell yourself to back it down a couple percent. It, but yeah. it, it's scary. <laughs> but when it's it, when, but I think one of the things you ask, do you get used to? It? I mean, you practice, and that's what you train for, and you get. It's almost like you you get. I don't want to say get desensitized to it, but when you practice that level, well, we don't practice to hit. We no, don't. No. We don't practice to to hit those rocks. But just <laughs> when you're out, just but when you're just out riding, it, it happens. It's just natural. It yeah. happens, and it and it happens over and over. So it's like the you know you build up to it, like anything. I mean, the first time you hit a bad rock, it was at forty miles an hour. Now the forty mile an hour one is nothing. Yeah. And it it's just slowly it it's you know and you learn from your bad experiences. <laughs> to not yeah, do it exactly. Anymore. Don't hit them right. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah, don't hit them right. Yeah. <laughs> um, what type of clutch do the 450X team bikes have? You guys run Henson stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. We we're uh, we're sponsored by Henson, but um, you know, as far as the clutch, I know that there's a couple different options, but I think our our option is we just run whatever stock is, but from Henson. Yeah, I think it's a seven plate. Yeah, I mm-hmm. didn't never looked inside of it. Actually, they never pulled the clutch cover off, so I wouldn't know. Like it's funny, you go to a Supercross and all they're doing is popping clutches out and throwing yeah. them around. And you guys rode it for three or four hours the day yeah. you're out testing, and I never mm-hmm. saw the clutch cover come off the whole time it was there. So it seems like it works, and that's one of the things that I do complain about on the stock, the stock X is I, it's just it's got this little bit of a vague feel. And we we did three different steps um, to get rid of it, three different steps through recluse clutch. So just a different way of doing it. And now my bike has the full auto in it because I'm an old man. So I ride with auto clutch all the time because that's for old men only. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so uh, there's lots of different things. Can you, show, can you show me how to ride like the wind and make it look easy? Hey, Patrick. Dude, you're the one that moved out of Asperia, man. <laughs> you need to do more Asperia uh, motos out you there? You need Asperia motos. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Dude, they're uh, coming in right now. Do you like the change of continent for the Dakar 2020? Uh, I'm fine with the with the change for Dakar. Um, you know, it, it would be a lot easier if Dakar um, stayed the same every year instead of changing the rules on every single stage. But, um, yeah, as far as that, I'm excited to go to new places always. But We, uh, we, we'll, don't, we don't necessarily know where it is. Yeah, no. Yeah. There, sure. there's, there's a lot of rumors going around right now that it's going to be in Saudi Arabia uh, next year. So um, although they, they kind of seem like they had some stuff going down in Peru, kind of setups for Peru earlier. So nobody really exactly knows. But it was funny because when we heard it was Saudi Arabia, we pulled out the, the Google Earth and started looking at it. And that they could have a good Dakar there. They, there's, there's a little bit of everything there. Um, you know, it's not all just sand, and it, it would be – and it's a big country. It's it's big enough to – I think it's like they have more land to work with than they did in Peru. So um, see how it, how it goes. Uh, let's see here. Um, we'll roll back to the questions. Do you like – let's see. Uh, how do they ever figure – do they ever figure out your cause of your engine failure during the Dakar? Um, I, as far as I know – they they haven't figured out what what caused it to um, let go on me, but I would uh, have to say that that'll probably remain under wraps. So, so um, the next one: Do you carry a fanny pack in Dakar? Or carry any tools? Um, our bike is equipped with a tool roll, you know, in in the center of the bike somewhere. I don't personally carry a fanny pack. The team makes me be uh, 
the rally team makes me be like a camel and carry most of the shit for all the other riders, which I don't agree with. But um, yeah, the bike's got tools on it, and um, yeah, because that skid plate has yeah. a, has a tool compartment yeah. and stuff down there. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's room for it, but you don't you're not actually physically carrying anything. Yeah, on no the body. no no tools on the body unless um, it's a marathon stage. Um, we have tools and and spare parts on our on our you know navigation tower. So we 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 make it work for marathon days. Um, your mom says hi, by the way. I think Mitch I tried know, to point that out. The internet's everybody's in here look, e eating up our bandwidth, and <laughs> we're trying to get it. So, what does it mean to you and um, and Johnny and Kendall delivering uh, Honda their first mint win, and then having bikes like this back this year, and then also, um, let's see, Jay and Roberts being there as the first rider to ever win the thing. How was that? Uh, means a lot. Um, you know, Honda's never won the mint. So, because uh, I think it was only what it was Husky and Yamaha before. I, that's only, what I heard. Only yeah. two brands that had won it. Yeah. So, so to win the mint on Honda for Honda, Honda's first time, and then to also win the mint, uh, the first year is back is 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 a lot. You know, it means a lot. Um, Johnny, I I hope is excited. I'm excited. Kendall's pumped. Um, I think Kendall's pumped all the time. You know, if he, <laughs> if there's a dirt bike involved, he's pumped up. So uh, it, it means a lot, and the team is happy. Uh, let's see. Let's. Would you carry a floral? Wait, wait. Would you carry a floral print fanny pack when you're not riding? I think he's. Yeah, Dan. To you. <laughs> I, I for sure after my Mint 400 um, sparkling um, helmet that I had won from the Mint 400, I need to buy myself a scooter, and you need to provide me with the floral, floral print, print fanny, uh, pack. fanny pack. I'll do it up. Yeah, and I and I and I heard if you don't have a ride for next year, you're racing a Harley with the floral print yeah, and yeah. that bullet and the and the and the chrome helmet. Yeah, the, the it, sparkly. That's, that's true. If, <laughs> if we're not doing it on a on a dirt bike next year, I'm gonna hop on a Harley. <laughs> um, someone wanted to know how you peed, which is that's probably like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> he only had to ride 80 miles at a time. <laughs> uh, in the Dakar, you just try to pee before the, the, the stage. And, uh, yeah, if you got to pee during the stage, then you're, I mean, yeah, if you got to pee during the stage, it, it kind of sucks because you're, you're holding it, you're getting antsy, and you make mistakes. But uh, normally you just try to get it all out before you start. I'll tell you, I know Johnny Campbell used to pee his pants. I, I know that because his boots used to, like, they were bad. Oh. I could never do it. I had to, I had to pull over and stop every time on long stages and uh you just you just time it you know you, you can you learn how to do that kind of stuff but i never did the catheter thing and i couldn't pee while i was riding so um let's see somebody said they thought that the skid plates held water skid plates do hold water on the skid plates bites. yeah skid plates hold water some skid plates hold water and tools um a lot of older bikes have water in other places and tools in the in the skid plate uh, it just all depends on manufacturer and uh, what your bike it is, really. Let's see. Uh, are you looking forward to rip to the tip? Uh, Do you get to go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm going on the rip. Uh, the rip's always fun. Uh, if you guys want the ultimate adventure and, and ride your motorcycle across uh, Baja all the way to Cabo, for sure the rip to the tip is is calling your name. Uh, it's You got everything action filled yeah. good how do, how do you find out about it? where do you is it like rip to the tip.com or i think it's on desert assassins okay yeah 
um, that, yeah, like I said, that that's a good group to go with. Um, you know, we, we explore Baja and get to some pretty secret spots. It's pretty rad. And raise money for charity. Uh, I think one? so, yeah. yeah. Does some raising money and for charity. The, and the Beach Bash is, is a big charity one. Yep. So those are kind of cool things. Cameron Steele yeah, puts yeah. those on. Yep, and the Desert and Assassins. And Johnny Campbell. Johnny's there, yep. And uh, so kind of a cool thing if you want to go ride in Baja with top riders and see cool places and go places that, I mean, just watch some of the videos. Like wa- there's... There's, yeah. There was TV shows and videos that you can you can geek out on and see all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, some people say it's their dream. What kind of tubes are you running? Uh, no tubes, moose. We run moose, moose tubes. Yeah. Um, moose, nitro moose. Nitro moose, t- moose tubes. Um, I um, run air tubes and, and the motocross bike. Yeah. Tires, we use Maxxis. Maxxis. Um, I prefer the, the SIs, the front and rear. Uh, that's just my personal choice. But I know Maxis has some new ones coming out that I heard are are pretty good. Good, I think like the McGrath edition ones. Oh yeah, that's what I that I mean. That's what I heard. I haven't ran them. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I actually, it's kind of funny because he he came from the from his truck side. Yeah, he has a, a Maxis deal and he's been working on some tires and stuff like that. It'd be kind of cool to cool to try them out when they come out. That's what Dirt Bike Test does is test products and things. Um, hey Janie, how's my tequila doing? Is it? So yeah, so tonight, um, big big night for me. I'm gonna I'm on my gonna hit my 200 tequila. Uh, my nemesis is here. She's um, also on 200 tequilas. She's priming herself up at the end of the bar. <laughs> so these are my last three, huh? Yep. Yep. Oh, she is. Okay. So if you guys have any other questions for uh, Ricky, we'll we'll finish these up and then and then uh, look at this little gem that I got delivered to me right here. Uh, we got we got a question from Steve Webb. Yep. Are the checkpoints in Dakar manned? Um, no, there's no checkpoints manned in Dakar. Um, it's all on GPS. There's absolutely nothing out there for the checkpoints. Just um. Well, it's essentially you just, you you just ever, you and your bike. Yeah, it's you and your bike, but your bike has a tracker on it. Yeah, so your yeah. bike essentially has a GPS unit. It just doesn't really show you where to go, and what that does is there's certain places in the map book that's marked this is a mandatory actually technically every note in the map book is a mandatory you have to go to it yeah that's correct and but they have some that are marked as different kind of waypoints and and some of them are specific kind of like checkpoints you have to go to this thing and you're you're on some of them you an arrow will pop up and it'll kind of guide you in and on some of them nothing pops up and you just have to know that you've hit it by your GPS will say that you have advanced to the next. Yeah, yeah, you got numbers on the on, on your GPS that say like 43, and then right under it will be 44. So that way, that those are your those are your your waypoints necessarily. And then that way, you know, if you're at 42 and 44, then obviously you you had missed one of them. 43. So yeah. So so technically, the the checkpoints aren't aren't manned. They're they're they. They download it off the GPS, and they also have on tracking. They can see where the riders have been, and they know whether or not that they've uh, crossed the checkpoint. So hopefully that – let's see. Dude, we got three good questions in a row. Okay. Look at this. What's in your camelback? Yeah, they're not even goofy ones. That, no, this one isn't. Uh, for Dakar, we have to have a three-liter camelback. Um, I usually put some water and uh, some, like, electrolytes in there, you know, because we're on the bike in the dunes all day. And um, Sam Fleetbed Bob is asking if I'm a good student. 
<laughs> I think I, you know yeah. what, Bob. I think we we teach we we teach each other some things sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> he it was it was when he when he first came to 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 do the rally training. I didn't think so, but everybody learns differently. And it's funny because sometimes I I get deer in the headlights look from him, and then I realize that three hours later he totally picked up what I said. He was just thinking about it, and then and then you can see the results. I mean, like. I remember when first we first started rally training, you'd come back and you didn't know what happened. Like something with the <laughs> you didn't know what what happened, what went wrong. And, and, and now, you know, like last year, it was they'd come back, and Andrew as well, you'd come back and you'd tell me what happened yeah. before I even, you know, we'd download the tracks, we'd look and see where they went. They would literally say, "Oh, I got here and I did this and I did that," so they knew where their mistakes were made and they correct them. And they and like even today, while I was watching with them riding with them and sometimes uh i would cheat and cut ahead of him and stuff and then i'd be able to kind of watch what he did. and you can see him start to make a mistake and fix it before it is even it and it's kind of like i'm sitting there seeing it and i'm going oh i think and then bang it's fixed he's fixing it quicker than i can realize that it's even kind of close to a mistake so but that's just practice yeah 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 practice and and it just becomes natural yeah so, uh, dude, see. look at this. Look at this one from Johnny right there. <laughs> Does beer come from God? <laughs> Everything comes from God. <laughs> uh, let's Dan. see. Dan, how close? Do, okay, so Jesse, I'm gonna. How close do you have to um, get to the checkpoint? And what's the tolerance? So there's different. There's different depending on what kind of checkpoint it is. There's some that are what 80 Two, meters. Yeah, 80 80 meters. 200. Some are 200 and then 400, and you know you just have to kind of clear them so it's and it, it's. You know by the symbol that's in the map book, like which one it is and how accurate you have to be, and that's just that's one of those things that we practice um, when we're when we're training. You know, to to know that how in the, it's almost like you have to visualize how big the checkpoints are and know that you need to go there. So um, and then we we got a question from Dan, I think only because Johnny was probably talking to Dan about my incredible start at the Mint 400. <laughs> uh, that was, this was Kendall's thinking. Um, Walking into my room at 10:30 at night with some turmeric or turmeric and turmeric, turmeric and ginger. Yeah, that was what that yeah. was. That was the the food he made. Yeah, crazy ass tea he he made for me. Oh, it's, it's a tea. It's really good. And he was telling me we gotta we gotta practice starts. So I'm like, oh yeah, whatever. All right. We get to uh, the pits next morning. It's freaking six in the morning, and I'm I'm out there in pit row practicing starts. I've I don't know. I probably did 20 or 30 of them. And then when the ban before the banner was up. We had like a 10 minute delay. I'm up there doing starts, you know, dude, practicing starts, and you know, everyone was looking at me. And so, so it, what, what's the answer to the question? I practiced. I practiced. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, you don't have a magic trick? Tell no. everybody what the magic trick is electric start. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Could you both answer this? How do you decide when to look down at the road book, especially at speed, and how often do you slow down to ensure you're on the track? Like this morning, we were looking down more than we were yeah. looking forward. So, so <laughs> the reason Ricky's out here, he's getting ready to go to Sonora Rally, and the reason I was riding is because I said that, or he said, if if I rode the stage today, I used to just go in the truck and then make fun of him. Um, but he, so um, I rode to just to do to sucker him into being here. But I actually really wanted to ride it because it was some new stuff that I hadn't actually ridden before. And uh, the question of that is. Uh, well, what we were talking about was you, it's like we were both out of tune. 
Yeah. And, and so we were looking down. We even talked about this this afternoon. We both found ourselves looking down at the roadbook too much. And I always, the way I teach is you're either racing or you're navigating. And it's, it's, you don't do, you don't try to do the same time. That's when bad stuff happens. Cause, and just think about this. How long can you close your eyes for while you're going fast? And that's exactly what you're doing when you're looking at your, at your notebook. So you have to teach yourself, and this is a taught skill, to look down. And you don't just look down and try to figure out, like, I'm going to look down and look at my notes and, like, where am I at? You're looking down at a specific location for a specific bit of information. You're going to take that and process it and do stuff. And you know you have to be able to close your eyes while you're hauling ass in order to do it. And it's a, it's a, it's a learned thing. And so... The other one is uh, how you often only, do you slow down to ensure you're on track? If you only if you only have a split second to look down at the roadbook, usually I look down at the roadbook to make sure that there's uh, no dangers. Yeah. Like no orange on my book. But uh, the next thing I would look at is is the the kilometer, and then try to visualize what try to see if what what direction I'm going to go. You know, turn left, straight, or stay. Right or interesting whatever. what he just said like he said he looks down for the color he didn't say he wasn't looking at some it's there's a color that means danger so because you can look down in a like split second and go oh, that's, yeah you, you all have you have your colors yeah i don't even know what color he uses for danger but whatever his danger color is he looks down and see it and like okay i, I, I use orange for dangers because orange is is danger. fucking danger <laughs> and everything in california and everywhere we have orange cones not yeah. blue dangers like hair and hounds because that's the most dangerous thing that hair and hounds could do yeah so um and how often do you slow down to ensure you're on track no you slow down to keep yourself on track yeah yeah that makes sense <laughs> yeah uh let's see not me meant be let's see is john is johnny still fast johnny can still shred Johnny doesn't ride enough with me. I can't answer that question. He doesn't ride with me. He won't either. ride with me. He always brings his gear, though. Yeah? Always brings his gear. should have rode the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny Campbell, you need to go on a trail ride with us. Um, Half let's day. See. Let's see. Uh, talk about the new bike. More about the new bike. Uh, Eduardo, we were talking about it a lot earlier. Sorry. So we'll put this up on our website, this whole full podcast, and then you can watch that there where I talked about it a little bit and then there's a whole bunch of tests and i'm going to talk about ricky's race bike uh more up there as well so hopefully that answers that question let's see do you guys prefer car versus fuel injection for desert racing that, that's a tough one um i like fuel injection 100 percent, no doubt uh, fuel injection is really nice uh i think carburetor is a little bit easier to ride but uh, everyone has personal preferences uh, I'm just so used to the older 450DX, and uh, the the new one is really fun, really snappy, but it's all personal preference, really. Ricky, you're doing good. You're killing traffic for us here on the thing. I mean, killing it in a good way. We're doing we're doing way better. And even this. Uh, I look at my friend on here. Freaking. All your friends? You, you texted all your friends? No, no, no. I don't even. My mom's probably sharing the the <laughs> hell out of this thing. But uh, <laughs> he's all. He's all better than you waking me up early on a Saturday by shooting me with Nerf guns. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. What degree am I facing on the compass right now? Um, Who said this? Three, uh, George. You know George that helped that helped uh, uh, drive with us. George Estes. Um, I am facing three thirty-five. Where? Which way am I facing? 
I don't know. <laughs> Three thirty-five. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Let's see. Uh, do you rely on tracks or other riders' reassurance of direction? Read smart at Jimmy. You intentionally get other riders lost. Uh, yes, Jesse. I used to. Come on, there's, there's, Jimmy. No, that's not right. That's 270 that way. 270 is that way. No, look at. There's magnetic interference here with all this equipment. I'm oh positive. shoot! Hold on, let me have let me have some more of my magnetic interference right here. <laughs> here, let me get that on the camera. Let me get the. There, they can see. <laughs> yeah, but it's now it's vertical, so it doesn't work anymore. It was saying 43. Here's to here's to 200 335 degrees. That's 298. Suzanne, you're saving the last one, right? Whoa, that was. That was pretty uh pretty spirited. You, you're saving you're saving one for the last one, right? Yep. So okay, uh, let's see. Do you on tracks from other riders? Of course, when you're tired, for sure. Yeah. Well, sometimes you navigate in some. It's it, you think about it like when you watch the Tour de France. You know, there's the the peloton and stuff, and then there's breakaways and people just kind of. It's the same thing. Sometimes I think more so back in my day because our stages were longer, and uh, we they weren't broken up with a lot of transfers. You were racing for all day, and you couldn't sprint or push all day. And plus, you know, we were riding bigger bikes and and heavier and different things like that. But did I ever lead people off track? I did my best sometimes when I felt people were following me. And it's like if you're in that sort of peloton or that group and everybody's taking their chance to, to do a little bit of leading or navigating, fine, everybody's doing their turn because it was almost like you're just doing work till you get to the part where you're going to do the sprint. But there were times when you'd notice somebody was just hanging back and collectively the group almost said, okay, everybody slow down and slow down for that person to take their chance. And then if they didn't, then... Uh, you would start doing stuff to goof with them. Or if you started early and people caught you and you noticed everybody's just following me and I was opening the stage, then I would do stuff to... Um, it's, it's, in rally, it's been going on forever. It's just a technique. And I, I think there was, a, there was a time just not so long ago where everybody was just chasing each other, everybody so hard that nobody took the time to do this or they didn't think it was still effective. But... I'm, I think that that's, that's changing now because there's a lot more strategy. And the guys are getting so good at navigating and they're riding so fast, it's hard for someone to just race away from the, the rest of the riders. So um, let's see. Have you ever found out, uh, found sleeping in your, you sleep in an elevation tent, Ricky? Elevation tent? No, you don't answer that question? <laughs> um, I can't. Let's see. Are the Dakar, Dakar jackets actual jacket, or are they more like a heavy-duty jersey? Oh, talk about your your jacket thing. That thing's actually pretty cool. Yours is cool. Uh, the jacket is um, more or less just for extra pockets, um, and that, that's really it. Um, we, we usually, nowadays, we have really thin jackets that are really vented, really light. But it just it just gives us <clears throat> it just gives us shoot what is it eight more pockets yeah. I mean we, and we can carry our water in our jacket it gives us more pockets for more snacks money sometimes when it's <clears throat> cold it's a jacket you have a proper yeah, wh jacket when it's cold we have a real jacket but uh, like this Dakar in Peru we had a a vest and it was it was it was 
Like it just it's just pockets. Yeah, it's just, it's just pockets basically. Yeah, with Hawaiian print on it. With Hawaiian print on the back because every day is a holiday. <laughs> so Ricky, what are your future racing plans in your career, and uh, will you go to cars and trucks? Um, will I go to cars and trucks? <clears throat> uh, that that would that would be really fun to get to get in on the side. Um, you know, it'd be it'd be pretty fun to. Yeah, you got to, some motorcycle business to take care of. Yeah, but I just sit on the side. Yeah. <laughs> and when I'm not racing motorcycles, go drive a truck or go drive a car. Yeah. For sure. Okay, and one we're gonna get to cut this as the last question. Ricky, what do you eat before a race like the mint to carb load? Uh right after you drink the monster energy, right? Yeah, right after I pound a couple monsters. Um, <laughs> you know, I like to eat pasta and uh bread. No, I'm just kidding. Um in Dak cards it's survival. You know, the food the food's not the best, so you have to really pick and choose what you eat there um before the mint um i think kendall and i had a steak and potato but uh carb loading is is kind of a fake fake thing um carbs burn off pretty fast in the body and then uh after that it goes to fats so it's better to eat uh, like a healthy fats food that's why i have such a good endurance program <laughs> paps blue ribbon <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, we're going to let Ricky go here. Um, thanks, everybody, for uh, uh, chiming in. And I'm going to get Suzanne over here, and we're going to have our 200 tequila. Ricky, thanks a bunch for yep, thank you. stepping in. We're going to go ride more tomorrow. Actually, I'm going to go ride the truck. Oh, <laughs> must be we nice. got gnarly, gnarly Dave here to help us do some work on some map books. He's in, he's in map book building training. <laughs> map book building training. Yeah, we'll be up till 2 o'clock tonight working on that thing. I hope my I hope my lines aren't all crooked on the map books. <laughs> cap cap what? So, uh Suzanne, let's have our last tequila here. Our last tequila? Yeah, our last tequila. <laughs> well, I got two more. I'm going to I'm going to one and a half. You got one. Oh, I'm, okay, I'm at two. I'll have one and a half in a second. Yeah. Mm. I like I like I like that one, whatever the one was before. But that one tastes like Band-Aids. What? It, you did? It tastes... Oh, I don't know. It was, yeah. Uh, I don't know which one it was, but it was more like a whiskey almost. Oh, the one on the right. Oh, yeah. See, it's, I'm going to try, try the Reposado here and see how it is. Hmm. The Reposado has a little bit of the same taste. The silver, is that silver? Was that, this one was the silver? That was good. I like that one. So we're, we're here um, on Tech Talk Taco Tuesday talking about tequila. Um, we're at Ramiro's, which is a tequila bar here in um, Pahrump, Nevada. They have, I don't know how many total, but we're working on our 200th uh, tequila. And after I do this, I'm going to get a bar stool named after me. Because I wanted to do something with my life. Are you going to sit down over here and enjoy the last one? Or are you running away again? She's running away. <laughs> She's running away. So, um, oh, you're finished. You won? She beat me again. Oh, drink it now. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, I had 200 different ones. I just didn't finish them. So. Mm. Well, done with the Band-Aids. And now I'm going to do with the one that's like half from the band -Aids. Actually, I like sipping them. So... Anyhow, uh, we're on the, we're uh, up, so if you come into Ramirez, you can sit in my bar stool now. Um, 
has uh, my name on it. And let's see, um, what type of tequila? Um, hold on a second, I'm losing my connectivities. Uh, what type of tequila? I don't know which tequila this is. I'd have to call in on an expert. I didn't read the, the bottles. I was kind of doing my show prep notes and things. Um, but anyhow, uh, I don't know if we need to cover anything else. I was gonna, I was gonna, t I'll talk about one other quick thing before I sign off here because we're getting close to an hour. Um, hey, Janie, what kind of tequila was that? Sangre de Vida. The silver, the the silver. Oh, that was. Okay, so the reposado was good. Those those two. Oh, the heart one. Yeah. Okay. So I like the I like the, the first one. Hmm. Uh, goggles. I was. Uh, I'd see. We talked about a little bit about the. Um, I'll talk about the helmet real quick. Helmet stuff. Uh, a lot of the new helmets are having this rotational um, technology. Actually, the materials that they're using for helmets are getting a lot better. Um, a lot of the helmets now have things in there for rotational. Um, impact dampening and there's a it's just been I've, I've heard a lot of talk and I talked to a friend of mine that knows a lot about it and they're trying to develop a standard for it I believe MotoGP and the FIM is trying to come up with some sort of a standard for this and some people tend to think it might be a little bit rushed because they just haven't exactly you know figured out how to test this stuff but I'm always thinking about safety and what's the safest thing we did this um, test back at dirt rider in 2009 where we anonymously took a bunch of helmets or actually we knew what helmets we were getting but i never knew what they were we smashed them anonymously um, in what we what is now called a 3130 standard which is a off-road specific um, helmet testing standard it was something that they were working on developing at the time and we had a scale where there was the ratings of how these helmets performed and companies were told how their helmet performed, but they they saw how everybody else's performed, but nobody knew which one was which, except for your own. And then they were allowed to reveal the results if they wanted the world to see this is our helmet. And a few companies did reveal the results. A few companies said no, but we published the data, the, the impacts. And so some of them were just brand X and Y and Z and A and B and C. And then there was the companies like Vimar, for instance, is one of the helmets that performed outstanding uh, in that test at that time and uh, but we learned a lot in that in what the different standards um, mean uh, how how they how they and like the helmet testing society will tell you you tell me how you're gonna crash and we can build you the best helmet or tell you which helmet you should wear but unfortunately we don't get to do that now we're seeing a lot of technologies that that have some rotational components into it and there's a lot of claims out there about how they're working and I, I want to see some real back-to-back-to-back independent testing because everybody does their independent testing and they say they'll show you independent tests, but unless it's done by somebody that's independent, i.e. not a helmet manufacturer, um, well, then uh, it's it's a little bit different. But this is going on with hockey. This is going on with uh, football because concussions are a big deal and they're starting to learn how much of a big deal they are. So when uh, so what I learned about this rotational study is that uh, – um, basically Terry uh, Smith at Dynamic Research did a study where he actually started testing some of the different um, rotational st uh, 
parts because some of those helmets have things that they say, yeah, they're helping with rotation, but they're also helping with what's called a linear impact. And, and when I read through the study, basically what it says, the conclusion is that the helmets with the rotational stuff perform the same as a normal helmet on a linear impact, but they are definitely better in a rotational aspect. Um, so for sure, we haven't figured out exactly how to test that, but kind of going, you know, going kind of a step back, that's kind of what somebody needs to do. We need to figure out a good way to do it that's going to relate to less head injuries and then decide whether or not you need to have a $650 helmet, which some of these uh, ones that are set up um, with these technologies or there's interesting things like MIPS, which is just literally a place, plastic shield that fits in between the, the liner uh, or in between the foam laters and, la and allows it to rotate so it can still, you can still have a rotational component at a lower cost. Um, I think it's a good thing. I really do think that all this rotational stuff is a good thing because a lot of times when you hit, you're not just smacking your head straight into the wall or onto the ground. There's a twisting component and your head doesn't like to be shook like that. So uh, that's where I'm at on the helmet thing. Uh, hopefully I'll get something rolling here in the near future. Uh, it is not cheap to have lab time uh, to do that kind of stuff. And it's difficult to get companies to trust someone to do that kind of testing without um, you know, allowing them to be tested anonymously. And I still don't know some of the helmets that were tested in the Dirt Rider. I, I actually, anybody that didn't reveal in that Dirt Rider test back in 2009, I still don't know who they are. I don't want to know who they are, but it was really nice to see all that information. And then you could see, of course, the helmets that performed well revealed, and then you had a much better idea on uh, you know, where things stood. And it, it did break down some of the barriers as far as people relating cost to performance of helmet, and then learning that fit is very important and the weight of the helmet is also very important. So something we talk about, if you look at some of the helmet tests we've done on, on a dirt bike test, we always comment on that, but it really depends on, um, you know, how you're going to crash before you do it. So what do I get another one? 201. Wow. There's a lot of extra stuff here tonight. Okay. Um, and the next thing I was going to talk about some of the different goggles I've gotten the last couple weeks. Uh, here we go. The first one, X brand goggle here. This is X brands. Um, it's their uh, over the goggle and enduro goggle. Or enduro goggle. And what's kind of cool about this is it has some extra thick foam. Uh, Rich Taylor, I saw him out at the track last week. Uh, I showed him some of my two-year-old X goggles. Uh, he said those are old. Let me get you some new stuff. And he gave me this and he said, I really want you to try it. And so today when I was riding, I finally got a chance to wear this. If you're an over the goggle guy, um, over the glasses guy, over the, did I say over the goggles? Over the glasses guy. This is designed for that. It has a little bit of a relief um, right in here in this area. But I will caution you that it is a small frame goggle. So unless you're wearing some pretty small glasses, um, you're going to have a tough fit in here. But he was saying, try it because of the foam. It's extra thick foam, and I have to agree with him. It was a really good plush foam fit. Um, we didn't have really fogging conditions, so I can't really talk too much to that. The only thing is, now that I've been wearing a lot of the goggles that have the raised, uh, um, I don't know, what, they, what do they call that part? The edge that comes up here, like, like this. Um, 
the raised edge, you notice that and it makes it fit a lot better on your face in the frame like that. So, but definitely a nice plush goggle. I think the price point in this one is around $35, $39. Um, so if you're looking for a, to squeeze a small goggle into the helmet, that's a good one. And our Dave comes over, he's gonna check it out. I think you're, you're you want to sit down here so everybody can see, I'll focus the thing here with the big glasses. This is Gnarly Dave. You might follow him on Instagram. He rides thousands and thousands of miles on his bicycle on Instagram. <laughs> thousands of, of miles. Yeah, so, I have, a, these are, I have a little bit bigger glasses, like yeah. you were saying. Even though these are a little oversized, if, I mean, these could work. Actually. It's working. You can kind of see a gap in the side. Yeah. But pull, push push on it pretty. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Like, it kind of that notch that you're talking about. Yeah, because every once in a while, it likes what I said. If I had these, um. What do they call these? Wing, I call them wings. Wings. The, um, the outlets, that would help kind of pull it in because I noticed it was on the side of my helmet yeah. and it was kind of holding it out so I could actually feel air coming in there in the okay. high-speed stuff. Yeah, but I see that. that's, you know, if you have the goggles on or the glasses on, you're probably used to it. So my second goggle, um, John Knowles from Scott uh, sent me out a couple pairs of some of their prospect goggles and the one I was super interested in, this one is called the uh, Sand. Sand, LS Sand, light sensitive lens. Oh, wow. So this is something I uh, was a big fan of. I know Pro Grip used to have a light sensitive lens back in the day. Yeah. Um, this is a really good. Um, it's a big, big frame goggle. Uh, so if you have a tight helmet, it's going to be a little bit issue fitting in there. But uh, full uh, range of uh, full vision, um, and the light sensitive lens is super good. And the other thing that they do with this, and I remember this because when I was racing Dakar 20 years ago, Scott had these prototype or not, they weren't even, they were just special built goggles where they put really good foam and they actually had Gore-Tex uh, up in here. And I don't think they've gone to that level. They just have a lot of really trick foam stuff now. And this one was really good at high speed and no dust got in, no dirt got in and the light sensitive was... How quick is the light sensitivity? It's... You don't notice it changing, but I'll tell you what interesting did happen today was I had a mud fly up, a mud ball fly up right in front of my eye, and it didn't bother me for a while, and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to wipe it off. So I wiped it off, and there was a, there was a white spot oh, on yeah. the lens, and I was like, oh, man, I scratched my lens. I was all bummed, and then it slowly transitioned back. So it seemed like it took about 15 seconds or something to, to make a change, but um, this is a premium goggle at about... Uh, I wrote it down. Hold on a second. Yeah, most of the time I wear contacts when I ride. I'm going to turn this guy on here so you can talk into that oh, guy. Yeah, most of the time I wear contacts when I ride, but the curvature of the goggles plays a big part for me. Yeah. You know, like this feels like a big fat potato head. <laughs> so this feels like it's probably a little too curved for me. Huh. I feel like I need it more flat. Yeah. Because it feels good. And that's what some of those, the, the rudders, they'll, they'll kind of either pull it in or let it sit sit better. Yeah, yeah, I can but see that. It just depends on how, how the helmet is, on how wide the helmet is. So that's an $89 goggle. That's a that's a $90 goggle. Pretty, It's pretty premium, but uh, once you start wearing the light-sensitive stuff, um, I've missed it for a long time because a lot of times you take off and it's cloudy or riding in trees and you come out and we have the, this white dirt that just blinds you if you, you know, you're wearing a clear lens. It's kind of it's difficult. And my last one is the Climb uh, Viper. 
and this is the the more premium this is also a premium goggle i think this one because of the lens is a 109 dollar goggle so um same thing really really good fit it has the outriggers that's what they're called outriggers outriggers, outriggers. i knew i'd get wings the outriggers outriggers um nose guard so it has all the features they have i'm not a fan of this i'm not a fan of this uh this lens color here uh it just doesn't seem to work i mean it looks cool these look really cool but it doesn't seem to work for any particular application and if you've talked to any riders that uh, do different things you all have your favorite you know different color um lens and stuff uh this one lets a lot more air in uh when we're doing high speed it has these vents up on top and i actually felt it you know, compared to the compared to the Scott and compared to the X goggle, it was channeling some in there. Uh, but I've been running these since Climb started coming out with goggles, and they have a durability to them that's phenomenal. Because you know, when you start seeing a lot of them, the the bands go bad and the foam mm -hmm. starts going bad. I still have some of my original goggles, and I'm kind of blown away by you know how many times I've thrown them into the washer machine and done yeah. stuff with them. Let me ask you this, Jimmy. Um, because I'm a ghetto racer and I'm poor. So what's the cost on the lenses? Do you have that? Do you know? Like replacement um, lenses? Because I know, I know imagine this will be a little bit more. And you know, I was, I was, look, I was looking at them. And Ooh, it seems, wow. Yeah, Whoa, bro. it seems like when you have those are almost, those are like double of what a clear would be. And I don't I don't have the replacement cost. I know I was looking at some fly goggles the other day. The standard lens was 7, mm -hmm. and the, the mirrored lens was 14. It's not bad. So that was, but that was on a, on a, on a fly goggle. Uh, but I didn't do the research on seeing where the different um, lenses were on some of these. I imagine the light sensitive one is up there too. It's probably I would suspect it's it's a twenty to twenty five dollar lens, but I'm only guessing at this point. So, anyways, um, that is uh, some of the goggles I've been wearing. Um, I know our internet connections are getting a little. They're probably trying to kick us out. Is it working on you? Oh, you shut it off. So we're going to wrap this one up on my 101, 101st tequila. Yeah, buddy. Dave, it was uh, good, to, good to see you again. Thanks Great. for coming over and uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for having trying me. some goggles on. Thank you, Ricky. RB. Yep. Um, thank you, everybody, for watching. And we will be back uh, next Tuesday as long as the internets are still available. So see you on the trail.